I've been doing quite a bit of thinking this week and praying, and I just really felt, according to what I was feeling in the Spirit, that I should talk to you about your relationship with God from the standpoint of hearing the voice of God and knowing the voice of God. Got a lot of people coming in and asking me, Brother Grant, how can I be used of the Lord? What about spiritual gifts? Got people who have been using spiritual gifts. I've got some young men who've come in and told me, said, I don't know just to what extent to give myself to God. Just a lot of questions and and such. While I'll not be able to handle all of the uh, particular situations that that I have been confronted with, I would like to to just talk to you from the tenth chapter of the book of John, and I I want to just discuss the various ways in which God speaks to an individual. John 10. Now tonight in this service I will be dealing with some situations in which I have personally dealt with some of the members of the congregation. Some of these situations are good and some are not good. But nobody will really know except you and me and it's done for the betterment of his kingdom. Now, I pray that God would allow me to use wisdom. You see, according to 1 Corinthians 12, there is one spiritual gift called a word of knowledge. There is another one called a word of wisdom. Knowledge is knowing or receiving data from God. Wisdom is the ability to use that data or that knowledge. Sometimes you can get a whole lot, not use it right. I say something tonight in this message that will offend you or be offensive to some people, please, before I say it, I offer my apology to start with because I'm not doing it to hurt anybody. But we're just going to cover a good number of situations. Got to feel my way through this. If I get to one and I feel like I ought not to talk about it, I'll move on to another one. Dealing mostly with myself, but uh, see, the big question is really, how does God really talk to you? And is it possible that I can really hear God? Well, I think it's possible you can hear God, but I will say that when you first come to the Lord, it's not an easy thing every time. And if you're having problems hearing the voice of God and you're fairly new in the Lord, don't be extremely alarmed However, continue your pursuit for God and your quest for a relationship, a close relationship with God. 
See, when you first come out of a world of sin and you're born again of water and a spirit, even though you are born again and all things become new, you've got to realize that you are only a few hours away from the world. And you don't always know when God is speaking to you. I call your attention to John the 10th chapter, and I would have you to stand, but we, we will be covering a good number of scriptures, so we'll just be spot reading. John 10, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Now Jesus said that he was the door to the sheepfold. Is that right? So you've got to enter in through Jesus. You make an entrance into the kingdom of God by Jesus, baptism in his name. You receive the Holy Ghost in his name. You repent of your sins in his name. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. One of the greatest comforts in the world is having a knowledge that God knows your name. It's a great comfort. Because you see, sometimes you getting caught up in the cares and troubles of life, you alienate yourself from God, sometimes by feeling that He doesn't even know you're around. Have you ever felt like just getting down someplace and, and just getting right on your knees and lift your voice and say, Hey God, I'm right down here. And my name's John Grant. You ever felt like that? Now you know you have. I felt like that. I felt like that recently a few times. See, there's no relationship, whether it be an earthly relationship or a heavenly relationship, that is constant. By that I mean having the same pattern all the time. It's just not that type of relationship. Do you know when the husband's out winning the bread for the family, he is performing a duty and a service to the family that uh, may be not appreciated quite as much as when he's at home right with the family. But nevertheless, his relationship with them is still alive just as much. In fact, you might even say even more when he's out there. And sometimes God working on our behalf doesn't mean that God's so busy he doesn't listen to us. It's just that, you know, you take and you hold a child in your arms all the while. And I know that some of the doctors will tell some of you mothers it's impossible to spoil the children. When they're real young. Now that's just a big bunch of bunk. Don't listen to that. You may say, are you telling me that you're smarter than my doctor in that area? Yes. I know better. I've never seen a child that you couldn't spoil right away. And they will just stick to their mother like a leech on a turtle's back. And you can't pull them away. And you see, if we had that type of relationship with God, we would be so dependent on God that we couldn't do anything and wouldn't do anything. Now, it is necessary that you do certain things. It's also necessary that God does certain things. 
But he does know our name. I say he does know our name. We know his name. His name is Jesus. Somebody recently came in our church and said, Well, there's, there's no doubt about it what you folks believe. <clears throat> Isn't this great? We're going to have to put the two vertical ones back up here. Because they really, they summarize it all. There's no other name under heaven. His name is Jesus. Praise God. And good to see Brother Ron and Sister Sue back from their vacation. And Sister Jane, God's kept his hand upon them. Is it great to know that when we travel that he knows us. He watches over us. Praise God. See, God is omnipresent. The devil's not. The devil is not everywhere at one time. Now, he can go any place. Well, I say any place. I don't know that he can go. I think there's some places you can keep him out of. But he's not omnipresent like God. And any time you give yourself to him, I'll assure you, he'll go any place you'll go. But thank the Lord when we... When we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we can say, Get thee behind me, Satan. We can actually command the devil to go certain places, do certain things, and get out of, of our midst. Now, I really believe that. The Bible says, Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil. He will flee. From thee, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto thee. All right? <clears throat> and he putteth forth his own sheep, and he goeth before them. He goeth where? Before them. Isn't that right? You lead sheep. You drive hogs. And we are sheep. We have to follow him. They know his voice. They know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow. Now, quite often we're caught up by following strange things and strange ways. This is the reason why that I wanted to talk to you. I believe that I'll probably cover more different things in this sermon than I have in in the last four or five sermons put together. But nevertheless, I felt it was necessary that I come to you or approach you concerning this due to the number of people who are questing in this area. The ways in which the Lord talks to us. Now, all of you could name several different ways in which God talks. Uh, I can communicate with my folks down in Texas. I can... I can write them a letter, I can send them a telegram, I can, I can get to on the phone and call them, I could buy a shortwave radio set and communicate with them that way, I could even rent time on the radio, talk to them that way if they tune into a certain station. I might even, if I had the money, might even be able, I don't know that I would be able, but I might even be able to buy some time on television and uh, communicate with them that way, providing they'd be willing to go someplace where there was a television. And then my mother and dad 
uh, have never owned a television. I just thought I'd tell you. And then, uh, uh, better still, you know, what I could do is get in my car and drive down there and talk to them face to face. And sometimes I do that. Sometimes I do that. Well, God has many ways to talk to us. He talks to us through dreams. Talks to us through visions. As far as I know, I've only had one actual vision in my whole life. Wish I had time to tell you about it. It was when I was first called into the ministry. I know that I received a vision from the Lord. Time would not permit me tonight to talk about that. He talks to us through spiritual gifts, tongues, interpretation, and prophecy. He talks to us through a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Uh, while that may be an indirect way, discerning of spirits, you know, somebody can come in with a bad spirit. And just like the Lord says, look at that man or look at that woman. And I tried not to stop, see, otherwise you might feel you were looking right down the barrel. So, <laughs> he talks to us through impressions, probably more so through impressions than any other way. And then, of course, uh, I have heard people who have said that they have heard the voice of God orally. It's just like Samuel heard the voice of God. <clears throat> I'm not really for sure when Samuel heard the voice, it was, if it was an inner voice or a voice outside of his body calling him. I woke up this past week out of a dead, dead sleep, and I said, Sister Grant, somebody call my name. I heard somebody call my name. At least I thought I did. I thought maybe it was the Lord, but it wasn't evidently because I just lay there motionless for a while and while she went back to sleep. And I, I just really prayed. I really thought that God was, was calling my, my name, but uh, nothing ever happened. So I dismissed it. I think there are times when you are not really for sure and so it is dismissed. And then, of course, he talks to us through the word of the Lord. Or we could also say, when we say the word of the Lord, we could, we could say spiritual leaders or even uh, saints of the Lord. Now, if, if ministering a drink of water to the least in his kingdom is doing so unto the Lord, we've got to understand that sometimes God can take a person that we might consider a minor individual in his kingdom, a big toe on the body. You know, and I use the word big toe on the body because usually the big toe is ugly. You ever looked at your big toe? You know, <laughs> I told you we were going to get in a lot of stuff. You know, I've got a big toe that's got a toenail grow straight up, and the only way I can cut it, now you may not believe this, but it's with my wire cutters. <laughs> and Sister Grant, Sister Grant says, <laughs> where in the world did you get such a big toenail? 
I said, I don't know why that toenail grows like that, but I got some, I got some side cutters, and I can cut that toenail. Toenail clippers won't cut it. She told me, she said, you're going to have to get the chop axe after a while. Seems like the older you get, the tougher your toenails get. So, oh my. So, so you know, really, you know, and, and, and you know, Paul does speak of the, the, some of the minor parts of the body, the part of the body that you wouldn't think would be necessary. He says, all of a sudden, God uses that part for your benefit and for the edification of the body. I understand your toes help you run. Isn't that right? That's what they say. I told somebody the other day, I said, I think I'm deformed. Most feet run and their nose smells. I said, my feet smells and my nose runs. But... uh, God can take some of those minor parts of the body. And, and, and when you hear what is being said, you give it very little thought until all of a sudden, when you're, when you're caught in some situation, those words seem to just ring out to you. And you realize, hey, that brother was ministering from the Lord to me. It was like God talking to me. Now I've had that to happen. I've heard just little things that, that people people say. And I remember a few little things that some of the elderly sisters told me when I moved to Wisconsin. Just little little phrases of things that they said. And I get caught sometimes in a real hard situation. And those things just ring back in my ear, and it's just like God using, talking to them, or talking through them to me. The Word of the Lord, the Bible, whether it be preached or whether it be read by you. The 8th chapter, verse 47, the Bible says, He that is of, is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because... You're not of God. Now you can read the Bible and not hear the voice of God. See, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Is that what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews? It's exactly what it says. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Now, the Bible is the word of God. Word in that sense, is taken from the Greek word logos. The word. But in the book of Hebrews, when it says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord, it's not logos. It's the rhema of God. A different Greek word altogether. And what happens is, when the word logos is read... The Spirit accompanies it and gets down deep inside and begins to and begins to talk, see. You can hear the Logos and not hear the Rhema. And that's what he was saying here. He that is of God heareth God's words. You therefore hear them not because you're not of God. Pharisees and some of those 
hypocrites could stand in the synagogues and listen to the word of the Lord go forth by Jesus, they turned and walked away and accused him of blaspheming, while others, some with withered hands, went and stretched them forth. Some who were unclean received the perfect health and restoration were made whole. Some who were blind heard him, while people who were whole heard him, the blind Receive their sight. And Jesus said, He that is whole hath no need of a physician. They went away and they didn't know what in the world he was saying. And for this reason, it is necessary that a Christian be in tune with God. You know, I keep talking about the carnal mind. I keep talking about the spiritual mind. The carnal mind cannot know God. And could not know the things of the Lord because they're spiritually discerned. You know, there are certain times in your life when, when the preacher could preach about anything he wanted to and it wouldn't phase you. Especially if you're living a life of, of worldliness. A life of, of a unity with the world. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. For man loves the world, the love of God's not in him. Isn't that what the Bible says? As many that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. And you, you, you've got to know the voice of God. But even more so than that, you've got to look and listen See, God talks in so many different ways. So many different ways. Now, let's turn to Acts, the second chapter, and we'll get into some of these different ways. We'll not be able to cover it all, but we'll just go for the time that we have allotted and perhaps catch it again on another night. All right, uh, when the people in Acts, the second chapter, acted like they were drunk, uh, Peter in verse 15 says for these men are not drunken as you suppose seeing it is but the third hour of the day but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that it shall come to pass in the last day saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh now as far as I'm concerned that's already been done it's already been poured out. So if you're praying for pouring out and outpouring in the Spirit of the Lord, uh, I'm sure that God understands what you're talking about. But the Spirit's all around. It's already been poured out. See, it was poured out on the day of Pentecost. If you want to know how far it is to God, could I inform you that it's just, you know, it's just, it's He's so close to us. It's not what... Paul said when he preached to those people on Mars Hill, he said, God is not far from any one of you. See, His Spirit is all around us. Some people praying with the Holy, for the Holy Ghost. They have this hang-up. They think that God's coming from some far-off planet or some far-off heaven. While they feel the Spirit all around them, they feel, you know, God's making Himself known. They have these chill bumps on their arms, goose bumps, you know, and and, you know, they, they can feel it. God's not coming from some far-off world. He's right there. And what you need to do is just open up and let Him come in, see. 
So he said he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That's a way in which God speaks to men. And he also uses this miraculous way to edify the church. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now, since I have been living for the Lord, I've had several dreams that worked out exactly. I mean exactly the way I dreamed them. And I understand it says your old men shall dream dreams. And I'm not for sure if the Lord isn't trying to categorize me at the same time in which he spoke to me. But nonetheless, uh, I do remember several times that the Lord has spoken to me. Spoken to me several times about my family members, about my children. But uh, I remember one of the, the times... That he really spoke to me. I was in I was in uh, Cushing, Texas, pastoring, and our youth leader got into a habit of chasing around all the time. Now, I want everybody to listen to this carefully. Everybody listen to this carefully. Okay, every time it'd be a special meeting within thirty, forty, or fifty miles, he wanted to take off, and he got where he'd do it during our service. Now, I never grant permission for people to leave our service and go to service some other place. Now, I say when you're on vacation that you ought to go to church someplace. Somebody questioned me about that. I said, well, Brother Grant, it seems to me like that you are accentuating vacation and you are minimizing the importance of service. No, it's not that at all. I'm doing just the opposite. Let me explain. You see, what happens sometimes, people get this idea that they always have to go over here to get a blessing or over there. They, they, they get this quest for something new or something different or something great. If you want something to destroy your spiritual experience, start traveling around to another church where some special something's going on. Sometimes uh, group concerts will come in the area, and I've seen... People from groups. I've never been to a Christian concert in my life outside of my own local assembly or one of our Pentecostal assemblies. Never paid a dime to go into a, to a, a church or into a, a coliseum or any place to listen to any Christian sing. Now you may say, Brother Grant, are you condemning that? I'm not condemning that. It's just something I don't personally care to do. And... Uh, the reason why is because, see, I don't like to get in the habit of following after somebody that I don't know nothing of. And you'll find out, my friend, that a lot of Christian singers, while they know how to weep tears and put on a big act and such in front of a group of people, they can walk right out of the back and light up cigarettes, pour alcoholic beverages, and spend the night with somebody else's wife. Now, I happen to know that to be true. And you see, I think all those things has a spirit about them. I think who ministers in the pulpit, there's a spirit behind that minister. and that, I really believe that. I really believe that. And so, I, you know, when, when, when the Apostle Paul and John and the other apostles began to lay out outlines for following people, they told us how to do this. And they went on to say, they said, now... Uh, uh, know them that labor among you. So if a man comes in here and I don't know him at all, even though he may be a better preacher than me, more knowledgeable than me, 
being used of God greater than me, I am bound by God's word to go right ahead and minister and let the man sit. Because you see, the Bible is the book of authority. It's the manual of life. And if he's a real man of God, he will understand that and he will honor that and he'll be happy that we did it the way the Bible said. Follow what I'm saying? See? Then, of course, after we know those, there's some we can know. The Bible says try the spirits and see if they be of God. So you run a spiritual test. Isn't that right? And then, of course, they should be sound in the doctrine. There's a doctrinal test. So there should be a test of knowledge of the man's works, fellowship in the body of Christ, a test of the spirit, and a test of the doctrine. So for this reason... You know, I uh, I just don't, I'm not quick to use somebody. Somebody walked in our assembly one time, and now I haven't forgotten where I am, so. Somebody walked in our assembly, they've been in our assembly four or five times. This person was a, a woman, and she said she was a minister. She called me into the office and said, I'd like to know, do you believe in women preachers? And I said, well... What makes you think that? She said, well, I've been here for a while, and I've never been used. I said, well, let me explain something. I told her why. I said, first place, I said, we don't, we don't use people who are not uh, uh, loyal to the church here at Calvary Gospel Church and people we do not know. And uh, she took offense to it. In fact, she, she, she had a real bad spirit. And I told her, I said, by the way, the Bible also says try the spirits and see if they be of God. And while you're trying to prove to me that, that uh, you have a legal right behind our pulpit, you are also proving to me by the scripture that your spirit's not right to ever get behind it. Needless to say, she hasn't been. And she didn't come very long. But see, there's certain people just want to be used all the time. Now, this brother... This brother, he got where he wanted to go around to everything special that, that's taking place. That's fine if it doesn't take you away from your local assembly. You see, the, if you would turn to Matthew 24, Matthew 24, when Jesus prophesied about his coming, uh, he speaks of false prophets. Now, this, this is not to say that our United Pentecostal Church brethren are false prophets. So don't, don't take offense to that. I'm not saying that at all. I think we've got a great fellowship. Verse 24 says, For there shall rise false Christs and false prophets, and they shall show uh, great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, Go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. While the false prophet has the problem, see, of building up himself and, and saying that he's such a great one, the problem with the followers is that they get this wandering spirit. See, they're just wandering around all the time. And uh, if you want something to destroy your walk with God, you get a wandering spirit. And it will destroy you. 
I appreciate the people who are loyal to our church, and there have been times in which people ask me, can I go on a special night, or can I go someplace? And, and, and I've said, well, I never grant permission for people to go when we're having service here. But this is something special. Yes, but something special is going to happen here. Now, if you're visiting in the area, I say go to church. You may say, well, you mean it's all right for me to take a vacation and go, but I can't go just for that. You're exactly right. And the reason why is because one of it, one of those enhances you toward uh, fidelity to the assembly. The other one enhances you toward fidelity to God. You know, and I explained this one time before. It's like two men, two, two, two men in the church, you know. One man has a problem with, with smoking. I mean, he really has a problem with smoking. If you ask me, what should a man do if he smokes a cigarette? By all means, I say the best way to quit smoking cigarettes is pray when you smoke. But see, you've got a man who does never smoke. I wouldn't admonish him. What you need to do is smoke when you pray. See, there's a difference in praying when you smoke and smoke while you pray. And I hope that you understand what I'm saying here. That one enhance is fidelity to the local assembly and to the cause that you represent, and one doesn't. One doesn't. And when we're having church here, you ought to be here. And if you were up here behind the pulpit and you were in charge of any program, you wouldn't appreciate it if somebody left when you were in charge. And the old golden rule, which was established by Jesus, which you can't get away from, is you do unto others, you'd have them do unto you. Now, that simply means if you were pastor or you were in charge, let's say you were Sunday school superintendent, or you were a teacher, or you were uh, a ladies auxiliary leader, or whatever you are, choir leader, how would you like it if people were always going some other place? I'll assure you, you wouldn't like it. Well, if that would be the way you would pass judgment on others, that's the judgment that you should, you'll be judged by. Uh, amen? amen. Uh, I'm still here, y'all. Okay, well, see, what happened? This man, he got this wandering spirit, and, and he got where he just leaves service. Well, he was our youth leader. So I, I went to him and, and I talked with him. Well, it didn't do any good. And I went out of town and he, he was gone during the service. And even his youth service, which was held on Sunday night, he did not attend. He put somebody else in charge. When I came back home, I went to sleep. It was on Saturday night uh, the following week. I went to sleep. I'd been in Wisconsin preaching. I was down in Texas. The Lord gave me a dream. And I dreamed I saw this brother... And I saw this brother and his wife get in their car along with their children and they left the church. Not the church, pardon me, their home. And they went in the opposite direction from our church when, the, when we were having church. Now where they went, I'm not for sure. But they didn't, they, they, in any way, they didn't show up for church. So I thought that I should go and inquire about this. So this, was, this is in my dream now. So that uh, next day, which was Monday, I gave them a call and said, I'd like to talk with you. I saw myself going out, knocking on the door, taking my wife. We went inside of their home, 
And here are all the chairs arranged. I sat over here. My wife sat there. Nelwyn sat there. And Troy sat there. Now you don't know these people. So there they all were. And I talked to him, and I talked to him from a Bible standpoint. And I saw in my dream him in a reclining type chair, just kind of rearing that chair back and just kind of laughing at me and telling me that, uh, that he felt that he was just as capable of leading his family as I was, and he would just come when he wanted to come. And I, I definitely remember telling him, Troy, you're going to lose your soul over this. And when I told him, I remember him laughing aloud to me. Well, I went to this, it, it disturbed me so much after I dreamed the dream, that I went to this uh, lady, Nelwyn, I went to her mom and dad who were in our church, and I told them. They said, well, we've really been praying about this. And uh, they said, I even talked with Nelwyn and Troy, and they said, well... We just, you know, there's just great revivals. There's always revivals happening around. That's fine to go. But I'm talking about during our church time, see. see. So, see, God called you to this assembly for a purpose. He really did. Called you here for a reason. Put you in the minister you're in to complement His cause. So would you believe that the following Sunday then, they didn't show up at church Sunday morning or Sunday night. I gave them a call on Monday. I went out to their house. I told Sister Grant about this. I told Brother and Sister Bass about this, the in-laws. I walked in their house, and lo and behold, the furniture was set exactly the way that I saw it in my dream. I, I waited and I allowed them to see us. They set me here, Sister Grant there, Nell went there, Troy sat over in the recliner. Now you talk about a feeling coming upon you. You've seen this in a dream already. So I go through all of this. I'm not trying to pull rank on them, tell them about the dream or anything. Go through all this. And would you believe that all of a sudden, uh, after we went through all of it, Troy just kind of reared back in the chair and laughed. And he told me exactly what I saw in my dream. Something inside of me just welled up. I began to cry. I told him what I'd seen in the dream. I said, now, I want you to go get on the phone. Nelwyn did. I want you to call your mother and ask her exactly what I told her and your dad. And I remember telling him, I said, Troy, you're going to lose your soul over this. Did you know what? He wouldn't listen to me. He actually thought I had that rig somehow. And the sad part about it is today, they have grown children who are not living for God. And they haven't lived for God in years. In fact, they backslid right after that. Never darkened the church doors again. Now you see, sometimes God can can speak through dreams. I've had several other dreams. I wish I had time to talk to you about all of them, but I wouldn't. I, I remember I remember about four years ago, maybe three years ago, my son John. I remember having a dream. We were here in church and and uh, we were praying, and I had a real burden for him. He was down praying over someplace 
like the third pew. I went home with a real burden for him, and the Lord gave him a dream. I saw his face all burned and his body all burned. And uh, I remember talking to him in the hospital, and I, I told him, I said, Son, I said, the important thing is not how you look on the outside, but how you are inside. And so I went to him about three weeks later while he was down kneeling, praying. And I, I told him about this dream. I said, now, son, I said, I had a dream. I, I wanted to tell you when, when I felt it was the right time. But I said, now, I said, uh, the Lord gave me this. I know it's from God. I said, I saw your face all burn, your body all burned. And uh, I said, uh, Dad wants to tell you that, that, uh, that something's going to happen here real soon. And, and you need to be careful, you know. So would you believe within a matter of a week, uh, John came to me, he was weeping and crying, showed me his coat. He had a, it was a blue down coat. Some of you saw him wear this. Acid all over it, holes in it. And what happened was a battery blew up right in his face. And, of course, that night when we prayed, we prayed that whatever this was, that God would, would somehow uh, see fit to show mercy and it not to happen. And we prayed. We held hands and prayed. I said, Son, I'm telling you before this happens because I believe that we can do something about it. And we bound together and we prayed. When this battery blew up in his face all over him, he just jumped right over a fence there, and unbeknownst to him, there was a water hose right there. And I, as far as I remember, the hose was turned on. And he felt it, he picked it up, and flooded himself. He came back to me weeping and crying and said, Look at this, Dan. You see, that, see that God does care. I say God does care. And God does know our name. Uh, <clears throat> this is kind of a strange one, but uh, I remember one time in a dream, I dreamed that my dad uh, came to see me and I dreamed that he brought a gun. My dad is a lover of guns. He's been a hunter all of his life. I collect some guns. I've got some in the house. I'm not a big hunter and I I'm not a good shot or anything like that, but I just, I guess, just kind of like guns for some reason. But uh, my dad, uh, in the dream, I remember him calling me up and said, Son, I've got this, this 22 rifle I'd like to bring up there, and I'd like to trade it for your shotgun. I had a side-by-side double barrel, and I never use it. I told him, All right. I remember in the dream, him coming up, he came in the house, he had the gun, he got in the house, and the gun was loaded. He didn't know it was loaded. He pulled it out of the case, put his hand on the trigger, and the gun went off. Discharged, and went through my wife and killed her. And it was a real dream. And it disturbed me so much, I told my wife about it. And of course, that time, Dad and Mom had no plans to come and told the family. We prayed. Would you believe about six months later, my dad called me and said, uh, we're going to come up to see you. And uh, somewhere along the way, he called me and said, you know, I, I brought this twenty-two rifle. So I'd like to trade it for that shotgun. So, well, 
He's on his way. He's got the gun already. And I've had this dream. So he got to the house. And he said, well, uh, he was unloading his stuff. And I said, why don't you just leave the gun in the trunk? Left the gun in the trunk. A few days later, he said, well, let's take a look at that gun. I went and got the shotgun. I said, let's make the trade outside. We got outside. My dad pulled that gun out and handed it over to me. And for some reason, he had his hand on the trigger, and he pulled the trigger, and it shot, discharged. It went into a tree. He said, my, I didn't know this thing was loaded. Praise God. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but it meant a lot to me. I mean, it meant a lot to me. Because a tree could have been my wife. Isn't that strange? Well, that's how great our God is. I could go on and on and on and tell you tell you things. Let me just say this. The Lord gave me a dream about Brother Hughes before I ever saw him. Before he ever came to church here. And told me that I had to help him be saved. Because his days on the earth were limited. And when Brother Hughes walked in our door for the first time, I recognized him and knew his name. I even told some people of this church before he ever came here, he was going to come. God wanted me to help him be saved. And Brother Hughes, right now, is in the hands of the Lord. I'm not trying to take credit for any of this. Please understand. I'm talking about a God who knows our name. I'm talking about a God who can talk to us. I'm talking about a God who's concerned about the apostolic church on the face of the earth. We're not just some little penny ante second-hand shoe store crammed in a corner someplace. This is the church of the living God. And He knows us and He cares for us. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, He does. I say, yes, He does. Yes, He does. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, I feel the... Spill the Lord here. Let's lift our hands and thank Him. Oh, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I just want to thank the Lord. He's been so good to me. I love you, Jesus. I thank you, God. I praise you, Lord. I really love you, God. 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 Here's a way in which I think God can speak to you through, through uh, 
other people. James, the fifth chapter. I've shared some of these things with you. James 5. Verse 13, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. Notice it says, confess your faults and such. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It rained not on the earth by space of three years and six months. And he prayed again and the earth and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth a fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Now, I have believed for some time that the purpose of the anointing of oil by the elders is so that while you're being prayed for, that these men of God can help you discern whether you're sick or not as a result of some sin or problem in your life. Now the reason why I say that, you know, we have conclusive evidence in the scripture where people were prayed for and no oil was used and they were healed. Basically, James the fifth chapter, you know, if you get sick, you pray or you call somebody, put your name on the prayer chain, ask somebody to pray for you. You come on to church maybe hours later, days later, you're not healed. So you are sincere enough in your walk with God that you're willing to step out and come down and say, anoint me with oil. And while these men lay hands upon you, you're leaving yourself wide open so that God can speak to them, give them a word of knowledge concerning you. You don't know the times that I pray for people down here. Went to them later and talked with them or something I talked with there. One lady I prayed with down here from our church, someone who's present right here in this assembly, nobody knows this, but but she and myself, I prayed for her. She's been sick with the flu for a while. When I prayed for her, I said, look, you know, you've got sin in your life, and this is the reason why you're not being healed. And she told me. She told me what she had done was not a great thing, but it had been bothering her. It was not a, a thing that you would consider to be you know, something to disfellowship somebody over, but nevertheless, it was some waywardness in her life. She confessed that. She was healed on the spot and went back to work. The Lord just healed her just like that. And I think there's a time in which people have a sickness that's a sickness unto death. Now, I do not believe the Lord wants to heal everybody. Now, contrary to what you may say, I think there are times in which you get a sickness and it's God's will that you die. Now, I really do. Now, haven't you seen cases where you, where a good 
solid, sound saint of God. We just hung on and fasted and prayed, and they got better. And as soon as we stopped fasting and praying, they went back down the hill. And man, we got back on the bandwagon. We fasted and prayed and sought the Lord. They recovered partially. They were making headway. We stopped fasting and praying. Down the hill they went. Now we've had people in our congregation like this. And I remember one specific individual, an elderly sister in our church, Grandma Ball, and that was in the hospital for months and months and months, and we'd fast and pray and seek the Lord, and we'd get her out of the hospital, and she'd make it a one or two services. She'd collapse back in her home, and she couldn't hardly make it. And I remember when I was down there one day, and I lay hands on her and prayed for her. I said, Grandma Bowen, I said, uh, we've been believing God that you're going you're gonna to get well. And at that time, I think she was going to be discharged from the hospital. And I said, uh, I'm going to come over tomorrow and talk with you. And so she was discharged, went home. Sister Grant and I went over there that day. And I, I discussed it with Sister Grant. I said, you know what I think's wrong? I think the Lord wants to take Grandma Baldwin. But I said, we're praying. We're holding on to God. And God's wanting to take her. Uh, she was well up in, what, her 80s? I remember going over there. And I, I sat down. And I said, now, I said, Grandma Baldwin, I want to ask you something. Do you feel that you're ready to meet the Lord? You know what she told me? She said, Brother Grant, I have my bags packed. And I said, you know, when I prayed for you in the hospital yesterday, I know the Lord spoke to me and told me that we should not pray for you to be healed, but that we should pray that His will be done. And you know what she told me? She said, Brother Grant, I'm afraid to die. I don't want to die. But she said, I'm ready to die. Tears welled up in her eyes, and we agreed. We agreed we're going to pray. Now, that was on, a, I think, Sunday it was. I think it was Sunday. We, we agreed. We prayed for her. We left and went to camp. She went back to the hospital and died. That's what life is all about. It's getting ready for her. When the Lord wants to take me, I trust that I'll be ready and that you'll be able to discern that hour and that the elders will be spiritual enough and whoever the pastor is, my pastor, I may be the pastor or whatever the case may be, God can go ahead and work that work in me. See, for me to die is gain. For me to live is Christ Jesus. Christians can't lose. You're on the winning side here and there. <clears throat> it's just that we're winning now. We got it won then. Praise God. That's That seems to be the way it works. Oh, praise God. But you see, this is the way the Lord talks to. And I, I remember one time I was, there was a man visiting, and I lay hands on him, and I started to pray for him. And I don't know, I really don't know. I just... It was just like the Lord just spoke to me and said, uh, pray for his foot. I said, sir, I want to pray for your foot. And I prayed for him. And then he held his foot out like this. I didn't know that this man had an infection in his foot. I had never seen the man before in my life. Now, I'm not trying to pull the wool over some of you new people here over your eyes. I mean, these things literally happened. I prayed for the man. He came up later and said, how did you know? I said, I didn't know. 
you didn't see me limp up there? I said, I didn't see you limp or anything. See, the thing about it, though, he told me this. He said, this church has made a real believer out of me. And he declared his healing. He was not from the city of Madison, as far as I remember. But he was traveling through. Now, I see, I don't know what this has as far as its bearing on the kingdom of God. But you see, that's what happens quite often. It's what happens. I, I remember praying for a lady who was ingrained in this church. She's not now. I don't even know where she is. She might not even be living for the Lord. But I remember laying hands on and praying for her. And the Lord just spoke to me. I went to her after service and I told her. I told her what was wrong in her life. She had a boyfriend who was not a member of the church. At least this boy liked her. And I warned her. She laughed at me and said, Duh. Oh, you don't have to worry. I'll never fall in sin. Next week or so, sister from our church was taking her to a doctor to be tested to see if she was pregnant. <clears throat> and whenever I discussed this with her later, she said, You know, when you talked with me, I had no earthly idea that I was headed in this direction. She sobbed and wept. Privately, she prayed here at the yard with Sister Grant and I. She said, you can't believe I made a fool out of myself. God was trying to talk to me, and I wouldn't listen. She said, I went so far as going to discuss it with some of the folks of the church to tell them what you really thought about me. I said, well, that wasn't it at all. You see, God knows your weakness. He knows your problems. He knows all about you. He wants to save you. You follow what I'm saying here tonight? I don't think anybody here will know who I'm talking about. It's not relevant anyway. But what is relevant is the fact that God does know your name. And He does care for you. And I think I'm ministering to somebody here tonight who feels that God's left them out in left field someplace. And He's forgotten all about them. No, friend. It's not His will that any should perish. And those who have come into a knowledge of the truth, it's not His will that they wander around, wandering around without a leader. God wants to be your good shepherd. He wants to go before you. He wants to protect you. He wants to lead you into eternal life. He's that kind of God. He does care for you. Impressions, Philippians 2.5. This seems to be the one that he always talks to us through impressions. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> See, have you ever wondered, is this me or is this God? You know the importance of reading the Bible is that, that when you read the Bible, you literally pick up the attitude and the spirit of Jesus. And your mind so conforms to His mind that you begin to think like Him. Now that's what God wants. You see, He wants you to think like He thinks. 
And then He can just live in you and talk to you regardless of what you're doing, where you're going. I was driving down the street there in Shawano, Wisconsin, where we started a church, and all of a sudden the Lord just spoke to me. He didn't speak to me verbally, orally. I'd never heard a voice. Just put my car brake down and and backed up a few doors and and uh, see what happened was we had a group of young people that were knocking on doors and passing out tracts about baptism in his name and such. And I got this real nasty letter through mail that some dear God fearing child of God, quote unquote, had had written me. She called me everything that she could possibly think of without swearing at me. I mean, she really did let me have it. And so I went and knocked on the door. A gentleman answered the door. And I said, I'm Pastor Grant from the Shano United Pentecostal Church. I said, I'd like to speak with your wife. He came back later and said, who are you now? And I said, I'm Pastor Grant from Shawano United Pentecostal Church. She knew she'd written that letter. It's just that the Lord told me, stop now. And whenever I got out of that car, I didn't know what I was going to say, but I prayed, God, give me wisdom. I knocked on the door. I knew God told me to stop. I prayed for wisdom. She came to the door. She was trembling. I said, don't be afraid. I said, uh, you wrote me a letter. Do you remember? Oh, yes, how well I remember. I said, well, you asked some questions in your letter. One is, you said, where did you get, all, where did you get the names of all of our sheep? Talking about church members, because we baptized some people out of their church. See? Stop stealing our sheep. You know, and she had all kinds of letters on our... She sent my own tracks back. That's what it was. I said, in as much as you asked some questions in the letter, I thought it would be appropriate if I just come by and answer those. Could I step in just for a moment? And she said, well, I really don't have much time. I said, I won't take much time. So I went in, and I sat down, and I began to talk. And she began to ask a few questions. I began to talk. And her husband got upset. And finally he stood up and he said, I resent this coming in here like this. And you know what she did? She looked at him and said, sit down. <laughs> like an obedient husband, he sat down. <laughs> I mean, he really did. He went and sat down. You know what she did? She held her her arms like this and she said, look at these goosebumps on my arms. We had baptized a girl by the name of Jackie. And she told me, she said, the intent of my letter was that I've been Jackie's Sunday school teacher for many years. And she said, I don't want to see Jackie destroyed. But she said, I am a little unhappy about our church. But she said, after talking to you and feeling what I feel right now, she said, I've got to know more about it. And I must say, I feel 
that Jackie's in very comfortable hands. Her husband began to weep. I held hands with them and prayed, and they said, any time you're in this area, please stop by. We'll talk and we'll pray. See, the Bible says he'll even make your enemies to be at peace with you. Just an impression. I knew that came from God. I knew that it came from God. And I wish I had another hour to talk. Young people come back up. I want you to stand if you would. But now let me tell you something. If you really want God to talk to you, this should be your quest. Any way you choose, Lord, whether it's tongues, interpretation, prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, vision or dream, some member of the church, whether it be the pastor or, quote unquote, the big toe. And sometimes a pastor can be the big toe. You know what I'm saying? Do it. If it's an impression, if it's a word of God, talk to me, Lord. And your second request should be, whether it be good or bad, say it anyway. See, some people have a tendency only want to hear the good things, the things that make them feel great and wonderful. See, sometimes God wants to talk to us about bad things. I mean, things we're doing that's wrong. If we've been rebellious, He wants to tell us. That's the shepherd's prerogative. That's His choice. Why? Because He's concerned about the spiritual welfare of the sheep. If you want to tell me that my attitude is dirty and rotten, tell me, Lord! Rip me apart! But whatever you do, God, don't ever stop talking. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, keep it coming, Lord, keep it coming. One writer put it this way, In his voice there is a garden. But in his silence, there is a desert. I want to hear from God. I want him to talk to me. I don't care what he has to say. I just want to hear it. He redeemed me. He saved me. Flooded my soul with the Holy Ghost. I'm sure that anybody here that's been filled with the Holy Ghost any length of time could get up here and relate stories about their experience with the Lord just like I have. But nevertheless, I felt tonight that God really did want to minister to somebody through a few things that I had to say. Now on both sides of our pulpit here, there is a place to kneel and pray. If the Lord has never come to live in 
the castle of your heart. Take this as being the word of the Lord. He wants to come tonight. I can assure you. And you know if you'll get in that castle and open up all the doors and the windows and throw out all of that rubbish and clean it up and make it a presentable place, he'll set up a throne room in there. But repentance is cleaning out the house. It's mopping the floors. It's scrubbing the windows. It's throwing out the rotten furniture. Basically, it's moving one kingdom out and moving another one in. But on both sides of the pulpit, there is a place to kneel and pray. If you've never really surrendered your heart to God, why don't you come on? Tonight is a good night. Listen, the devil doesn't care about you. You see, the thief cometh not but to kill and steal and destroy. He's the good shepherd. I say he's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He knows your name. And he wants to lead you into eternal life. Several people are down here already praying. Who'd like to be the next one? Let's sing Jesus be the Lord of all, Sister Grant. Somebody else want to come and surrender? Praise God. God bless Jason. God bless Anthony.